0: Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life giving and life changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. Judges chapter number 15 is where we're going to be today. And we are in a series that we have entitled Less Than Perfect. And uh, we're talking about how God can use us in spite of us, and even when we have weaknesses and even when we have imperfections, we still are candidates for God's perfect plan, and uh, how God can use us no matter what our background is, no matter what our past looks like. He still loves us and wants to use us for His glory, and uh, we've been learning uh, from the life of Samson in the Old Testament, and in week number one of this series in Judges chapter 13, we found out that the nation of Israel was in the middle of a mess, and uh, they were Uh, practicing idolatry and that idolatry led them to captivity and last week we saw how Samson was just a little bit too close for comfort in the nation of Israel. They were able to go in and out. They were kind of comfortable in captivity. They should have been fighting the Philistines. The Philistines were the terrorists. They were the enemy. And uh, rather than uh, fight against them, the nation of Israel was actually adapting to their culture and they were becoming more and more like them. And that was a very dangerous place to be because they were on the verge of of extinction. And uh, so they were in a very dangerous place and they were too close for comfort. They were comfortable in their own compromise. And uh, this week, uh, we're going to be in week number three of this series. And I'm going to bring a message that I've entitled this morning, Fighting Frustration. Fighting Frustration. Judges chapter 15. If you're there, would you say amen? If you don't have a Bible today, we should have uh, many of the verses on the screens. And uh, hopefully that'll be a help to you. Judges chapter 15. We're going to start reading verse number one. The Bible says this. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, or, or, or a small goat. And he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her, therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she take her? I pray thee instead of her." And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and he caught three hundred foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set uh, the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Verse 6. Then the Philistines said, 'Who Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son in law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion, and the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. And after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top. Of the rock Edom. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. And God, thank you for these truths found in the songs that we sang this morning. God, thank you so much that your mercy triumphs over judgment. God, thank you that you are a God of all grace. God, thank you that even when we are imperfect and even when we make mistakes, God, you still want to use us for your glory. Thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. And today, God, I pray that we can be filled with your spirit as we navigate this passage. God, I pray that your spirit would uh, illuminate this text and bring it to life. Lord, I pray that we can see uh, uh, our need for application in this text. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, give me the words to say. And uh, Lord, I pray that we can be helped and uh, edified from our time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... How many of you have ever had a real battle with frustration? Can I see your hands? A real battle with frustration. How many of you were frustrated this morning? Can I see? Okay, very good. And uh, uh, I've had a few battles with frustration Uh, recently. My wife came home and and, uh, she was uh, out grocery shopping. Hello. There we go. Uh, She was out uh, grocery shopping and she came back home. Can you guys hear that buzzing just a little bit? That's all right. Hey, the Lakers lost, the Dodgers lost, but like I said, we're going to have a good day in church no matter what today, okay? It's going to be good. And uh, my wife, Katie, she got uh, back home from grocery shopping this past week, and, uh, and uh, she uh, came back into the garage and uh, everything was going well, and all of a sudden, as we were unloading groceries, I heard my my daughter Liv scream as loud as she's ever screamed in her entire life, and and uh, simultaneously, the car door slammed, and what I realized was her fingers were in the car door, and and she screamed as loud as she could, and we ran over there and opened up the door as fast as we could, and I grabbed her, and her fingers were black and blue, and, and uh, they were they were really uh, uh, swelling up already, and she was crying and screaming, and so I, I took her upstairs, and I'm trying to you know calm her down just a little bit and trying to make her laugh, and it's not not working. And and uh, and uh, I'm looking at her fingers, and they're really black and blue. And I, I realized after a little bit of time that they weren't broken. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. and and uh, But she was in a lot of pain still, and we were putting ice on it. And so I was trying to make Liv feel better. So I said, hey, let's go to McDonald's, and I'll get you an ice cream cone, because everybody knows that ice cream can make you feel better when you slam your fingers in the door. And so uh, we went to McDonald's, and uh, I pulled up, and the line was extremely long. And normally, I would just be like, let's forget it. But Liv's crying in the back seat. She has ice on her fingers. And so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll wait it out in this line. And and a true story, no exaggeration, I waited 20 minutes in the line at McDonald's just to order. When I got up to order, I said, I'd just like to have one ice cream cone. And the lady said, before I can really even finish, she said, we're out of ice cream. And I was thinking, come on, McDonald's, you're really letting me down. So I had to, I had to wait in that line and Got, didn't even get anything. Went, went out of that line. I said, Liv, how about, a, how about a, a milkshake from Jack in the Box? That sounds good, right? And she was like, yeah, that sounds good. So we went to Jack in the Box. I ordered a milkshake for Liv. And uh, I was driving home. Everything was great. When I realized that the lady at Jack in the Box did not give me my debit card back. And so I had to drive all the way back to Jack in the Box, go back to the drive-thru just to get my debit card back. And at that point, I was a little bit frustrated. And uh, I was just ready to kind of be home for the night. How many of you have ever had a day like that where you're just kind of frustrated? And uh, The truth is, there's different types of frustrations. There's, there's passing frustration. That's kind of the heat of the moment when frustration kind of wells up, and kind of the heat of the moment you get upset, and then, and then it just kind of passes, right? But then there's also perpetual frustration, and that is when uh, little things are not ever addressed and not taken care of, and they kind of just become bigger and bigger, and we constantly are dealing with frustration, and we're going through life, and we're just all the time frustrated, And people ask us, what's wrong with you? And sometimes we don't even know. We're just frustrated. I don't know. Just frustrated. We're frustrated with our job. And we're frustrated with our relationships. And frustrated with our season. And frustrated at, at everything that's going on around us. And we're just kind of battling this constant perpetual frustration. And what's so tragic is many Christians live a life of perpetual frustration. We love the verse in John ten ten that says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And uh, we love that verse because Jesus promised to give us this fulfilled life, this abundant life. But sometimes we skip over that first part uh, of the verse that says this in John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief, everybody say the thief. The thief, the enemy, the devil cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so, yes, Jesus has come to give us life more abundantly, but don't ever forget that the devil is out to kill your joy and to steal your momentum and to destroy your happiness. And the devil wants you to live a life of frustration, going through life and just constantly bummed out, constantly angry, constantly frustrated with what's going on. And even when we have so many blessings in life to praise God for, we find ourselves just frustrated. And that's exactly where we find Samson in Judges chapter 15. He's perpetually frustrated. Nothing is quite going his way. And it seems like every time we meet Samson, every time we encounter Samson, he's constantly frustrated at what's going on. And he's now fighting the Philistines, but he's fighting the Philistines externally. But really, he's fighting his own frustration internally. And it's a battle that he's losing every time. And I just want to say by way of introduction this morning, that is not how God intended for us to live the Christian life. See, God intended for us to live a life of fulfillment and and life more abundant. And the Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace himself shall give you peace always. Everybody say always. always. Peace himself give you peace always. By all means, the Lord be with you all. And so God has promised us peace. He has promised us his Presence, the Bible says in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And so God has given us his presence, and God has given us his presence not so that we can live a life of frustration, but that we can live a life of fulfillment. And many times the difference between a life of frustration and a life of fulfillment is if we are pursuing the presence of God. And God intended for us to experience His peace. He intended for us to experience abundant life. But so often we are going through life perpetually frustrated about the season that we're in. And so we find Samson. He's frustrated in, in uh, Judges chapter number fifteen. And And just to kind of catch us up a little bit, the context of this is, of the book of Judges, is there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so it was kind of a chaotic time, a messy time, a lot of sin, a lot of idolatry. And so God would raise up these judges, these men, to lead the nation of Israel and to deliver them from their captivity. Now, we learned a couple weeks ago that all these judges fell short because there's only one true deliverer, and there's only one true savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so the Old Testament is pointing us ahead to the New Testament, to the fulfillment of prophecy and Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of our sins. He is the Savior of humanity. And so uh, uh, Samson, while he was supposed to deliver uh, uh, the nation of Israel, he was a temporary deliverer, and he was kind of all the time just kind of frustrated. In fact, this is where we left him last week in verses 19 and 20 of chapter number four. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and he slew 30 men of them. And he took their spoil and gave a uh, change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled. Uh, he was just upset. He came up with this riddle. It was his idea. And he thought, man, they're never going to figure this out. And then they went and asked his wife. And, and she asked him, please tell me what the meaning of this riddle is. And finally, because she was agitating him, he told her the answer. She went and told the Philistines. Samson got raged. He got really mad. And so he went and he killed 30 people. He murdered 30 people. And his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house, but Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. And so to make matters worse, his wife was given to his best man. Talk about frustration, right? So Samson's frustrated. And I think in this passage, I believe that in Judges chapter 15, and really we're just going to study eight verses today, verses one through eight, I believe that we can find four reasons that we fight frustration, four reasons that we're constantly dealing with and battling frustration. And so if you're taking notes today, I'll give you uh, these four thoughts. On, on reasons for uh, frustration. If you're ready, would you say amen? amen? Number one, the first reason is this unmet expectation. Unmet expectation. Notice what the Bible says in verse number one of Judges chapter 15. But it came to pass within a while after. So kind of what happened after Samson went and murdered 30 people and he had this big kind of fiasco and this, this outrage, he went home. And he's like, I'm not even going to go back to the marriage ceremony. I'm not even going to deal with this right now. And he just kind of went home and forgot all about it. But then, you know, a a while uh, passed and he decided, you know, I want to make things right and I'm going to go back. And in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid, uh, referring to a small goat in this culture, that would have been a token or a sign of reconciliation. In ancient Eastern culture, if you brought a young animal like that, it was saying, hey, I want to bring peace. I want to bring reconciliation. And so Samson here is thinking, you know, I kind of feel a little bit bad about what I did with those 30 guys. Sorry about that. Let me bring a small animal to make things right. It's like, oh, that's probably not going to work, Samson, right? And uh, the damage has already been done and so kind of like uh, you know uh, we would bring if if we made our wives upset as husbands we would try to bring like flowers or a box of chocolates you know Samson he brings a goat and so he comes and he's like all right let's let's make this better and and uh, he had these these expectations of hey I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna give this peace offering and everything's gonna be fine I'm gonna smooth things over I'm a pretty good talker I'll just this is gonna be good so he went, and he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. He's excited about completing this uh, wedding ceremony here. And he, and he goes, and, but her father, watch this the end of verse number one, but her father would not suffer him to go in. So he comes back, and he's like, all right, I'm going to make everything right. But the father said, actually, no. <laughs> actually, we heard about what you did with the 30 Philistine men, and so I don't think this is a very good idea. And so he does not let Samson go uh, to his wife. And so now Samson is frustrated. Why? Because he had some unmet expectation, And see, a lot of times when we have these expectations and what we experience is not uh, matching what we expected, we will end up getting frustrated. Can I tell you this morning that frustration is often born in expectation? So often because we're going through life and we have expectations on how things should go and how we think things should go, and then they don't go that way and we end up getting frustrated. that's exactly where Samson is. He thought, I'm just going to come. This is going to be no problem. This is going to be great. And uh, and, uh, it turned out to not be what he expected. Notice verse number two. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. He was like, I didn't think that you really cared about her that much. And so, um, uh, therefore, I gave her to thy companion. I gave her to your best man. Sorry about that. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her. I pray thee instead of her. And so here we see that uh, uh, his, his father-in-law here is not a very godly man. And he says, sorry, I gave your wife away. But maybe you should just take her younger sister. Isn't she more beautiful anyway? Just, just take her instead. And so uh, we see really here what temptation looks like. He tempts her with this younger daughter. Temptation is always attractive, and it's aggressive. He says, isn't she fairer than, than she? Isn't she beautiful? Take her, I pray, instead of her. Take her right now. And temptation is always attractive, and it's aggressive. But Samson here is too mad to even consider this temptation. He's so upset, and he's about to go into another full-on rage. He's so frustrated. But here's the truth that I want you to see. Samson, the only person that he could be mad at was himself. Samson was the one that went into Philistine territory and found a Philistine wife. He's the one that went and convinced his parents, hey, let me marry this, this girl. He's the one that went to Philistine territory and, and had this wedding celebration. He's the one that came up with the riddle. He's the only one that knew the answer to the riddle. He's the one that gave the answer away. He's the one that went and killed 30 men. So Samson should, should only be really mad at himself. This was his own doing, but instead of taking responsibility, he wants to get revenge. And so Samson is about to get very angry the Bible says this in Psalm 119 verse number 165 great peace everybody say great peace great "Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them see if Samson would have just honored the Nazarite vow that he had taken if he would have just honored the word of God and not gone to Philistine territory to get a wife and if he would have just obeyed the commandments found in scripture in the Old Testament law then he would not have been in this position and he would not have been angry and frustrated and that's why the Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. See, when we go through life and we're offended all the time, and we're just offended all the time what people are saying to us, and what Did you hear what they did to me? Did you hear what they said? And we're just all constantly offended. Can't believe that. Can't believe this. Can't believe that. When we go through life offended, what we're doing is we're revealing our lack of love for the word of God. Because great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And see, when we really love God's word and we're spending time in God's word and we're meditating on God's word, we don't really even have time to be offended because we love God's word and we have such a different perspective on life because of the word of God. And so Samson here is he's so uh, frustrated because he came back, uh, to Timnath, and he had these expectations, but his expectations led to frustration. And I just want to say this morning, if you are battling with some unmet expectations, if you're in a season and things aren't really going how you thought they would go, and you're, you're thinking, man, I don't know about this, I don't know if God has a plan in all this, and you're kind of in a frustrating season, just remember what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Can I tell you this morning that God has a good plan for your life and he loves you beyond measure and he is preparing a place for you and he has some things in your life that he wants to give you that are far beyond you could ever even imagine. I love what the Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know the plans that I have for you to give you an expected end, to give you a future and a hope. And I just want to tell you today that our God is still on the throne. Our God is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if our God is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then he is sovereign over your season. And he has some good things coming, but we've got to be faithful to his plan. And so the reason often why we are so frustrated at life is because we have so many expectations that we let go unmet, unmet expectation. Notice the second reason I believe that we often struggle with frustration. Number two, unwise motivation. First of all, expectation leads to frustration, but then when we have the wrong motivation for what we do, that will also lead to frustration. Notice uh, Samson and his statement in verse number three. If you're with me, would you say amen? Amen. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless. Now, Samson in this statement, he reveals two things. Really, he reveals his conscience. Uh, Apparently, he kind of feels bad about what he did with the 30 Philistines. And he was thinking, yeah, maybe that time I shouldn't have done it. But this time, I'm blameless. This time, I'm justified. This time, I have a reason to do this. So this time, I'm good to go. I'm covered. I will be more blameless. Then the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure, I'm going to go and harm them. I'm going to go and attack them. I'm going to get my revenge. And guess what? I have every right to do so. See, in this culture, in this time, if you were to get uh, married like this, the groom was responsible for giving what was called the dowry. And this was something, some sort of payment that they had to give to his father-in-law to kind of pay for this marriage. And Samson, uh, most commentators say, he no doubt came from a wealthy family. And so he would have given this dowry, this payment, uh, to his father-in-law to marry his daughter. And uh, so in his mind, he's thinking, hey, I paid for this marriage, I have every right to retaliate because I have, I have paid for this. This is in my rights. And he felt totally justified, and he felt totally fine doing this. He was right. I will be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And so he had himself convinced that he had every right to do so. I read a story back in 2000, and uh, actually it was back in 1998 there was Um, there was this husband and wife that were having a marital conflict, and they were getting ready to have a divorce in Washington State. And uh, the husband was so mad about this that he literally went and and rented a tractor, and he went and he bulldozed his house down just completely to the ground. He was was in a rage. They called the police, and all the neighbors were outside, and they are getting ready to arrest him. But then they stopped, and they said, we can't arrest him because the man before he went and got the tractor, he went to the county, and he got a permit to bulldoze his home. And so he had... The legal right to tear down his home. And so there was nothing that he could do. And in his mind, he was thinking, hey, I have every right to do this. I got the right paperwork. I'm justified in doing this. And a lot of times we retaliate and we attack and we, we, we go after people and we justify it in our minds. Hey, I have every right to do this because they did something to me. So I'm going to do something back to them. But here's the truth this morning. If you want to see restoration, you have to surrender your rights. The only way that you'll experience true reconciliation and true restoration of life is if you come to a place of spiritual maturity that says, hey, I might have a right to do something, but just because I have a right doesn't mean that it is right. So here's Samson I'm going to be more blameless. This time I'm justified. I have every right to do this. And so he goes out and he says, I'm going to do them a displeasure. I'm going to attack the Philistines. Now, should Samson have been attacking the Philistines? Yes, they were the enemy right? They were the terrorists in our day. They were ISIS. They were the ones that were holding captivity. They were bad people. Should he have been fighting them? Yes, they were in captivity, but he should have been fighting them for the glory of God, not to get personal revenge. And so we see here how Samson has the wrong motivations. He's like, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get them, but it was more because he was upset, frustrated, and wanted revenge, not for the glory of God and the freedom of God's people. And so he has the wrong motivations here. Now, we see kind of the reverse of this. When David fought the Philistines, David says this, in 1 Samuel 17, 45, then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest, speaking of, uh, of, uh, of the giant, uh, then, then uh, of Goliath, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you uh, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And see, David said, hey, I'm going to fight against you because you have defied the living God. I'm going to fight against you because you are uh, defying my God and defying what I believe. in. so David was fighting the Philistines, but he had the right motive. It was for the glory of God. Samson was fighting the Philistines, but he had the wrong motivation. It was for his own self-gratification, for his own revenge. I wonder this morning, what is your motivation for serving God? What, what is your Why? Why do we serve, and why do we love, and why do we come to church? What's our motivation? Because if you have the wrong motivation, that will always lead to frustration. A lot of times our motivation is numbers. It's our motivation is, man, recognition. Our motivation is I want to have some sort of achievement. Our motivation is what will people think of me? How will people perceive me? And when we have the wrong motivation, we will always end up frustrated. The only proper motivation for a Christian is the grace of God. And when Jesus becomes our motivation, our frustration will be decreased when we do what we do for Jesus and do what we do for his name and for his glory. But here Samson has this unwise motivation. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6, 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. 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 Doing the will of God from the heart. Psalm nineteen fourteen: let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, see when your motives are pure, your ministry will be powerful. Let, let the words of my uh, heart be pure. Let, 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 let my thoughts be pure, acceptable in thy sight. And so uh, he was frustrated because he had the wrong motivation. If you're with me, would you say amen? amen. Number three, here's the third reason for his, motiva- for his frustration. It was unbridled retaliation. This thought of, man, I just got to get even. Got to get him back. I've got to retaliate. Now, if we're honest, it's human nature to want to retaliate, is it not? Uh, We we kind of want to get even. We want to settle the score. We want to make sure that we have the last word. We want to make sure that we win the argument, that we can get some sort of retaliation and to make us kind of feel better about uh, what we're going through. And uh, in fact, this past week, I think it was last Saturday, there was a fight in the NBA for the Lakers and the Rockets. Anybody see this fight? Okay, only three, three people, Lakers fans, okay. And uh, there, was this, there was this fight, and, and I think we have a, a picture of it. Uh, here was Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul, and, and uh, there was this fight that broke out. And all, all the commentators and news people, they were saying, who started the fight? And they were saying one person spit on one person, and one person retaliated and punched back, and then he punched back, and then, of course, since he got hit, he had to punch back. And the whole thing was like everybody's just retaliating, and who started it, and whose fault was it? And it was all of this retaliation. Why? That's kind of hardwired into our DNA that we want to retaliate. Somebody does us wrong, we're going to hit back. Somebody says something mean about us, we're going to say something back. And we always kind of want to retaliate. In fact, scientists say that there's a part of our brain that actually produces pleasure when we get revenge. It just makes us feel good when we get revenge. When we get even, settle the score, something about that, right? It just kind of feels pretty, pretty good. In Genesis 27, verse 42, there was a time when Jacob and Esau were at odds, and they wanted to harm each other. And the Bible says this, in these words of Esau... Her elder son were told to Rebecca, and she went and called Jacob, her younger son, said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. And what we see here is that Jacob was running for his life, Esau, his brother, was furious with him, he was frustrated, he was angry, and the only way that he could find comfort was the thought of killing his brother. The only way that he could find peace and comfort was the thought of retaliation. And so we, we know that it's just kind of hardwired into our DNA that we want to retaliate. We want to get even. And that's exactly what Samson does here. And we see that this retaliation was, was covered with determination. Notice verse number four. And Samson went and he caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And so Samson is determined. Have you ever gone out of your way to make a point? This is exactly what Samson's doing. He's like, he's like I'm going to make this a big scene. And so he goes out and he catches 300 foxes. Some, some say it was jackals because they, it's the same Hebrew word. They travel in packs. It would have been easier to catch. He set out these traps, and he caught all these animals. And really it was cruel what he did to them, and he put, tied their tails together. And, and uh, uh, next verse. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up uh, both the shocks and also the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. And so Samson said, "I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that I'm getting my revenge. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows what they did to me was wrong, and I'm going to retaliate." And so he ties all these foxes or jackals together, he lights them on fire, and they go and destroy their vineyards, their olives, their corn, and all of their fields. Verse number one of this text says that this was the time of the harvest, and so this would have been right when they were getting all of their grain and all of their harvest; they were collecting it. And Samson just goes out, and he destroys it all. I'm going to get even. They're going to see my wrath. Jesus talked a lot about uh, how we should respond when others wrong us. And he talked about retaliation. And uh, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and 39. It says this. In fact, Daniel, can you jump up here and help me for a second? He says this. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye... And a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And so Jesus said, if someone hits you, uh, don't respond by fighting back. Just turn the other cheek also. And, and a lot of times we think of this verse, we think of physical violence. Like someone punches someone and, and they want get, to get someone back. And so they're going to hit them back. And Jesus is saying, don't hit back physically. But um, come here for a second, Daniel. It's interesting that the verse says, if someone smites you or hits you on your right cheek right? And if most people are right-handed to to hit someone, I'm not going to hit you, don't worry. If someone, Daniel, I've never seen him look so nervous before. And uh, if someone were to hit you on your right cheek, um, um, that would not typically be with your right hand. If you're right-handed and if someone goes to punch, that's going to be on the left cheek, right? And so to speak of being smitten or hit on the right cheek was talking about being backhanded, like so. And to be backhanded in this culture in this time was one of the major and most common insults and one of the most hurtful things that you could do to someone. It was considered you you were completely disrespecting someone. In fact, so much so that in the ancient Jewish law book, the Mishnah, if you backhanded someone like this, you would be fined uh, a money that you would have to pay. And so Jesus, when he says, if someone smites you on your right cheek, what he's talking about is not so much physical injury. He's talking about insult. If someone insults you, if someone speaks wrongfully and illfully about you if someone talks bad about you behind your back if someone is gossiping about you and he says if someone does that turn the other cheek and so how do we respond then when people belittle us and talk bad about us do we want to get back and i'm going to say something i'm going to send this text and this is going to hurt i'm going to show them who's boss i'm going to get even or do we say you know what i'm far more concerned with reconciliation than i am retaliation I'm far more concerned with restoration than I am retaliation. Thanks, Daniel. Let's give it up for Daniel this morning. Spiritual maturity is the ability to say, I don't need retaliation. I just want reconciliation. And so Samson goes out, and he's retaliating. He's trying to get even. Notice verse number six. Then... The Philistines said, who had done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And so now we see the devastation that retaliation can cause. By the way, wherever there is frustration, there will always be collateral damage. Samson said, I'm going to go hurt them. And what happened was it hurt people that he cared about. And the cycle of retaliation is ongoing. It's continual. It's, I'm going to get even with you, but then I'm going to get even with you. You wrong me. You burn our fields down. Watch this. We're going to go burn their house down. And so this cycle is just ongoing. It's continual, and there is devastation from the retaliation. The Bible says this in Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. If you're with me, would you say amen? It says this, Recompense to, to pay no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, if it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Everybody say peaceably. So he's saying, as much as you can, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, give, give place unto frustration, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, what, you know what he's saying? God says, I'm in control. Don't don't worry about your enemies. I've got it covered. I am still sovereign. I've got you covered. And and so he says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what Paul is teaching to the Romans and to us? Paul is teaching that frustration at the heart of it is a faith issue. Do you trust that God is in control? Do you trust that God can handle your relationships, that God can handle your situation? Because if we really trust that God is in control, that's going to calm our hearts and calm our frustration. Frustration is always a faith issue. In fact, Jesus taught about forgiveness in Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 4. And he said this, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, that, uh, but that offenses will come. And how right is Jesus in saying that? That it is inevitable in life that we're going to be frustrated, that we're going to get offended, and uh, that we're going to have hard things and difficulties that come our way. Jesus says, It's impossible, but that offenses will come. It's going to happen. There's going to be times when people wrong you. There's going to be times when people hurt you. He says, It's going to come. But woe unto him, through whom they come. So be very careful if you're the one giving the offense. It were better for him that that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend uh, one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Everybody say forgive. forgive. He says forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And so Jesus here is talking about radical forgiveness. He's saying if someone wrongs you seven times in a day, forgive them seven times. Always be forgiving. And so he's teaching on forgiveness. And it's interesting how the disciples respond. Because the very next verse says this. And the disciples, or the apostles, in verse Luke 17, 5. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Jesus is teaching on forgiveness. He's teaching on offense. And you think after he says, hey, forgive seven times, you think the apostles would say, wow, man, that's going to be hard. Lord, teach us how to forgive. Wow, that's going to be difficult. Lord, teach us how to be patient because if we're going to forgive like that, we need patience. Wow, Lord, forgive seven times. That's unheard of. But, man, if we're going to forgive like that, Lord, teach us how to love. But that's not what they said. They said, Lord, teach us how to have faith. Because they understood that frustration and forgiveness is a faith issue. See, when you can come to the place where you say, God, I trust that you're in control. And I know that people have wronged me. And I know that they've done wrong. And I know it's my nature, my instinct to want to retaliate. But God, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to let you play this out. I'm going to trust you. And when we walk by faith, that will eliminate our frustration. And so frustration is always a faith issue. Do you trust that God can work out the details? Do you trust that God is in control? See, Samson took this thing into his own hands. He didn't trust God. I think Jesus is our greatest example in this. In Isaiah 53, verse number 7, it says, And he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before, the, before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. As Jesus was going to the cross, Jesus was, was punched, he was beaten, he was spit on, and Jesus did not retaliate. Because Jesus knew that something greater was coming and that he had a purpose. It was easy for Jesus to not retaliate because there was always reconciliation on his mind. He was thinking about the sins of humanity and offering the forgiveness of all sins. And so often the reason why we struggle is because of unbridled retaliation. We just got to get even. But there's a fourth reason this morning for our frustration. If you have one more in you, would you say amen? amen? The fourth reason is this. We have unhealthy contemplation. We have unhealthy thoughts. And so often when we're thinking the wrong thing, those thoughts will inevitably lead to perpetual frustration in life. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Notice how Samson concludes this portion of, of chapter 15. Those verse number seven. And Samson said unto them, though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. And after that, I will cease. Now, please hear me. Samson had this unwise, unhealthy contemplation. He had the wrong thought process. He thought, you know what? They burned their house down. They died. They responded. They retaliated. And you know what? I'm going to retaliate again. I'm going to get my vengeance. I'm going to repay them worse than ever. But watch his wrong thought process. He says, and after that, I'll cease. And that is the wrong thought process because Samson thought, you know, I'm going to get my vengeance one more time. I'm going to retaliate one more time. They did this to me. I'm going to get them back. And after that, I'll be done. But the truth is, retaliation is ongoing. It's continual. We always think it's going to make me feel better. If I don't forgive and if I just hold on, if I make them suffer for a little bit, that's going to make me feel better. But that is unhealthy contemplation. In February of 2008, there was a a city council member in Dallas, Texas. His name is James uh, Fantroy, and uh, he was convicted of stealing over $20,000 of government grants. And at the time when they found this out and they were getting ready to decide what his punishment would be, uh, he had cancer and he was in a wheelchair and his health was not doing good. And so the judge decided, he said, hey, I'll give you an option. I'll give you a choice. You can either uh, go to uh, prison for one month for what you did, or you can stand up and publicly uh, apologize for what you did. And James Fantroy was so frustrated that he decided to go to prison rather than giving an apology. And and here's the truth. Here's what happens when we hold on to bitterness, when we hold on to frustration, when we we hold on to that resentment. We think it's going to make us feel better, but we're really just making ourselves prisoners. Because resentment and bitterness is always a self-contaminating disease. We think it's going to hurt someone else, and it really just hurts us. That's why Jesus time and time again, he said, forgive, because at some point there has to be the absorption of of wrong done. If it's always just, I'm going to get them back, and then they're going to say, I'm going to get you back, and then they're going to say, I'm going to get you back. Then at some point, somebody's got to say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to retaliate. And there has to be the absorption of wrong done without retaliation. And here's the truth. The only person that ever successfully did that was Jesus Christ. After all that we did against him, he came into his own, his own received him not. And Jesus went to the cross and he placed our sin on his back. He absorbed our wrongdoing. There was the absorption of wrong done without retaliation. See, in Jesus, there is freedom from frustration and there is forgiveness of sins. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus absorbed our sin on the cross. He became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified, being declared righteous, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord. Jesus Christ and that is the good news of the gospel that we can experience peace we don't have to have uh, frustration consume us we can live a fulfilled life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross now I want you to see how our text ends in verse number eight we'll pick it up in verse number nine next week but notice verse number eight and he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. That just means that Samson was in a total outrage. He went and he, the Bible doesn't tell us how many, but he, he slew them, he killed people. He was just furious, still frustrated, no peace. Watch this, and he went down and he dwelt on the top of the rock of Edom. He goes hiding into a cave. Why did Samson go hiding in a cave? tell you this, it wasn't because he was afraid. Samson was was the strongest man to ever live. He could kill anybody. He could do whatever he wanted. He was bold. He had courage. It wasn't because he was afraid. It was because he was tired. I wonder this morning, are you tired of feeling frustrated? Are you tired of just kind of going through the motions and constantly, perpetually being frustrated Like, what's wrong with you? I don't even know. I'm just irritated. Samson was just tired. He goes and hides out, and he's still frustrated. And there's good news this morning. Because if you're frustrated and if you're tired, the Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls and so this morning if you are tired of keeping score if you're tired of marital conflict if you're tired of constantly being frustrated and you're tired of uh, of your finances you're frustrated with your money situation today i would encourage you to run to jesus because in jesus there is rest in jesus there is replenishment for your soul in jesus there is fulfillment in jesus there is freedom uh, from your sin in jesus there is total satisfaction and fulfillment in life so the good news is we don't have to go through life frustrated all the time because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and whom the son sets free is free indeed we can live a life of peace and contentment and yeah we're going to have passing frustration and get frustrated of course but we can have an inner peace and an inner joy that passes all understanding let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.